With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here on the Dr. Christopher Hall Show or on the Total Media Network. I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, how are you? You know, today's guest is a surprise to me. I just got the email this morning. But again, this guest, Dr. Hall, and you're about to introduce him, is somebody that gave one of my favorite teams fits. And he's somebody that, uh, you know, is a very, very talented player. So go ahead and introduce our guest. Well, no problem. I'm very, very excited. And, um, well, I'm very excited to uh, introduce uh, a former NBA All-Star, uh, the actual uh, former president of the NBA Players Association, a ESPN analyst, and a gentleman who's known for his uh, community service. As a recipient of the Sears Community Service Award, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. Antonio Davis. Welcome to the show, Antonio. Hey, how you doing? Thank you, man. What what a wonderful reception. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to bring positivity in this interview, Antonio. And I know with all the things with the coronavirus and also a lot of the tough things, we want to provide a on my networks and Dr. Hall's show a real positive point of view. And I think that getting to see sports come back hopefully will bring back some more joy to people in their lives. Don't you agree? Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. You know, throughout everything that's going, uh, seemingly that's what sports was all about. When you think about it, it brought everybody together, no matter, you know, race, creed, financial situation or whatever, and gave them a few hours to kind of, you know, root for the home team or root against or wave the opposing team, whatever the case may be. So... I'm excited that it's back, and I know a lot of young athletes are are just kind of chomping at the bit to get out there and show what they've been doing, so we'll see what happens. Exactly, and it's going to be interesting in all sports, and hopefully everything uh, turns out fine, because I wanted to, because again, I have a a stake in a professional wrestling, uh, minor league professional wrestling organization that I'm getting involved with soon, but I'm waiting to, this COVID lifts to really get things going, and I'm looking at the branding, so I'm like, oh, hopefully the big pro sports get rolling, and then everyone's going to get back to normal. Let's hope, and let's just keep uh, yes. keep keep our hope up. All right, Dr. Hall, first question for Antonio. Oh, yeah, no problem. But what Antonio said is so true. What our, what, our, what our American professional sports team do is bring us together as a nation. It's awesome. Well, Antonio, um, just trying to learn a little bit more uh, about, let people know a little more about you and stuff. Tell us a little bit about your kind of upbringing there in Oakland, California, and what that was like. Man, well, um, I guess as a skinny little kid in Oakland, you know, just trying to find my way, um, you know, raised by a single mom um, very at a very young age. And um, also, you know, we had the support of my grandma and, and many aunts and uncles. Uh, I, I think the one thing I remember most that kind of, pulled me through everything was that, you know, my mom was really big on, you know, continuing to dream and have goals and dreams to get a great education uh, and just make sure I steered steered clear of anything that would get in the way of that. And so as you are, you know, growing up during that time in the 70s and 80s in Oakland, California, uh, if you didn't know nothing you knew, you kind of had one of two options. You know, you kind of either were going to steer clear of that or you were going to jump into the fray. And so um, I think I think my goal all along was just to, you know, 
get it, get a degree, get go to college, get a degree, and kind of start my life maybe somewhere else other than Oakland, California. But as I got introduced to sports uh, and track being, you know, one of my first loves, um, I, I I jumped really real real heavily into sports and ended up growing and jumping into basketball and things kind of took its own course after that um but very very proud to say i'm from oakland california with all this rich history and and sports and entertainment and activism and things of that nature um and i and i find myself here after you know 20 plus years moving back to oakland and kind of rolling up my sleeves to see where I could, you know, jump into the community and either use my voice or my resources or literally uh, be hands-on in some of the projects that I have going on now. Now, Antonio, when you talk about specifically oh. enough, th- at that time period, did you ever think you'd be an NBA all-star and have a great NBA career like you had at that point in time? No, yeah. no heck no, not even not even close. It wasn't even something that I wanted or, or a dream that I, I even had. I think my first kind of professional dream or or kind of want was to um, run in the Olympics one day in the 110 meter hurdles. You know, like again, I spoke about track. Um, I, I remember watching the Olympics with, you know, Greg Foster, Ronaldo, Nehemiah. Oh, yeah. Um, and some of the greats, you know, back in the day. And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's exactly what I want, to get on that stage and perform at that level. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, God had other, other plans for me and, and growing to six, nine and a half. That just was not going to work and track uh, like that. And so, um, you know, as things begin to shift, you know, my, my dreams begin to shift. And then I think getting to college and playing with, you know, great guys and Tim Hardaway and Greg Foster uh, and, and some other guys there, you know, uh, kind of opening the door and seeing that, man, maybe I, maybe I can play basketball professionally. And I think that's a, that's about when things started to change. Okay. All right, Dr. Hall, next question for Antonio. Wow, incredible, incredible. I mean, and, and the fact is, is that you had an incredible – uh, college career there at UTEP, and um, mm-hmm. so you know what was that like? Actually moving from a, a whole from a, from Oakland all the way there to to um, El Paso, and just a whole new environment in college. And how did you uh, balance that with uh, your demanding uh, training there in basketball? You know, Doc, as crazy as it is, and to be honest, I, and I was often asked, well, "Why did you choose El Paso?" and I never really realized it, but it was just the furthest away from Oakland <laughs> that oh, I could wow. get. You know? yeah. <laughs> I, I had an opportunity to go to uh, DePaul University, and and I looked it up, and it was Chicago. It was cold, and it was a cold that I never knew before, and I, I scratched that out. And then the next furthest away was El Paso. But um, the second part of that is um, Don Haskins, you know, God rest his soul was a great man and that yeah. set me down and was like, listen, I, I can teach you something that will allow you to play basketball for as long as you want to play until you decide you want to stop. And I'm, I, he caught my attention with just that. And um, next thing I know, I was playing Tim Hardaway full court with my hands behind my back, you know, trying to defend him and stay in front of him, falling on my face time after time after time. But uh, he was true to his word. You know, he taught me how to play defense and I played basketball until I didn't want to play anymore. You know, when you talk about Haskins and his history, did you know about all of his history when you first came to play with him? You know, I... I learned it once I took my visit um, to El Paso and you saw all of the, uh, the, the pictures and placards in, in the office there. And then when you ask him about it, he was like, you know, I remember his, his famous quote to me was, oh, shucks, if I would have known that they were going to make a big deal of it, I would have started one white guy and just moved it on. It wasn't a big deal. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, coach, it was a 
it was a huge deal. He was like, I don't care. We knew we were going to win. We had the better team. I just wanted my guys to, to knew that it meant more than basketball to me. Um, and it really did. Um, and, uh, and I do believe that he, he often pulled us in the office and told us how, how important it was that we got our degrees. So just don't come here and play basketball, but leave here with a, a degree and just know you can always come back. If you don't finish up, you come back and get your degree. And I think most of us did. Most of us went back and got a degree. That's, and that's tremendous. And that's what he was. He was the leader uh, as a great coach, as a leader, and then also yeah. the history of him. And I know that that's history is important to Antonio, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I think when, when you go off to play basketball and, and all of that, you know, there's a lot of things that may tug at you. And the fact that he believed in a, a group of young men of, of different skin color than his, to me, knew, you know, it showed me that he had a, a deeper understanding of not just the game of basketball, but what it meant to young men like me. And so uh, I quickly appreciated that and was ready to, you know, sign on a dotted line and let's get to work. So I, I was excited about that. Okay. All right. Next uh, question, Dr. Hoff. Wow. Man, that's incredible. You know, uh, you know, I was stationed here at Fort Bliss in El Paso. Uh, when I was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I was a captain of Dr. Army. So, you know, just, 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 you know, adopting the change in, in, in exceeding striving is very important. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, young men out there, you know, who are going to be having that path soon and, and, and going to college for basketball and, and NBA. And what, you have any particular points you have for these young men who really are sometimes going to be in a very challenging position? You know, it is, and don't get me wrong, from, from being a student athlete to, uh, you know, hopefully being a professional athlete, um, that often bleeds into, you know, uh, fatherhood, uh, being a husband, being a man of the community. To me, all those things kind of um, uh, kind of intermingle in one way or another. Um, I'm always one of just understanding the big picture. If I can go back and tell my younger self anything, it would just be, you know, find out what you're passionate about other than basketball. I already knew that I had a passion for basketball. I had no idea where it was going to take me and the people I was going to be able to meet or, you know, the ability financially to kind of take care of my family and others. Um, but, but I think the one thing that I didn't get until late was, hey, what else am I passionate about? What else would I want to do? Because in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a blessed world, you, you would think most guys play, you know, uh, until they're in their mid-30s, you know, and there's a lot of life to live after your mid-30s. So it was like, hey, I, I got to find my next passion about what I want to do with my time and my energy and my focus. And uh, I think for young men now who are, and, and, and let me pause for one second. There's just so many young men who don't make it, you know, yes. um, who aren't able to go ahead. And I hate that what we're telling them as a society is that they failed. Like, I hate that because I, I tell all the, the kids that I run into now, strive to be more than a professional basketball player. Go own the team. Go yes. run the team. You know what I mean? Whatever you want to do, you can still stay in the sports realm. You know, if if you love the, the, uh, the filming of the games or talking about the games uh, – or running a team or marketing or whatever, you can still be around sports. The NBA offers a ton of positions so that you can still be around the game you love if you don't play. So um, I, I never want them to feel like failures because it, it takes a, a different kind of person to be a student athlete or athlete in general. That's my big thing. And then after that, it's, you know, finding that next passion and, and putting that same amount of energy 
into it. You know, it's like if you practice every day that shot or that move or dribbling the ball or, you know, staying in shape, you know, when you get an opportunity at a job, it has to be that same kind of motivation. Like, what are you going to do to be the best at it that you can be? And if you get that, if you have that kind of attitude, then I think, you know, sky's the limit. You can do what you want to do. See, that's a great point. And you talk about specifically life after basketball for you, Antonio. Were you prepared? A lot of uh, professional athletes have a trouble transitioning from pro sports to life after. Were you able to handle that transition? You know, it's, let me I'm point out two things. One, uh, to answer your question, yes and no. And then two, um, not too long ago, the Players Association actually hired me to start building that program around guys transitioning out of the NBA into what I call real world. And... Even in that, even in building that program and starting that process, I learned a lot about myself, you know, because I got a chance to talk to a lot of uh, former players. And um, I, I do know from my, my perspective and my plan, it was like that last five years, I got a, I got a big contract. And so I said, hey, we're going to start having a conversation about what life looks like financially, uh, and everything after this is over with. So financially, we kind of tailored things down so that I pretty much knew that that was going to be my last year. I wasn't going to play right. beyond that contract, so it made it a little easier. Um, but we started talking about what that life looks like, and that's what I was trying to tell the guys is, you know, talk about that with with people in your circle, your close circle, your family, your friends, your whatever because you're not going to be that same person to them as you were before, you know, getting them tickets to the game or these extra expenses that you had when you were playing, uh, uh, you're not going to be able to absorb. So things are going to change. And, and that's what I found is so hard for many guys is not necessarily their change, but the change of everyone around them and how they manage that part. Yes. So, which, which is more difficult than anything. When you talk about guys going broke and all of that, it wasn't necessarily that they was they were out, you know, spending an exorbitant amount of monies, although that happened. Some of it was, you know, we're all we all come from that community where we were we we're looked upon to kind of save that community, come back to the community and bring all these resources. And a lot of that take a lot of us take that to heart, man. And we we, we give all our money away literally to the community, to the business in the community, the people in the community, not really understanding how, you know, we have those resources. We need to come back and plant a seed that's going to continue to grow and continue to to uh, sustain itself over a long period of time. So I can go about it all day. I just, uh, when you ask that question for me, man, it's, it's, it's really important that people understand a few things. And, and the most important is, you know, we're, I, I hate the judgment of the professional athlete who ended up broke or whatever the case may be, because it's 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 more than just, hey, he spent he hey, he earned a lot of money and he spent a lot of money. There's just a lot of psychological and emotional and traditional things that go into that whole situation. So I wish people would look more into it. Yeah. Wow. That's so true. And, and it's interesting how we all learn from this in so many ways. And I want to, yeah. I could jump back and talk just to you about that program in general, how you developed that. That would be a great yeah. opportunity to talk yeah. to you again. But again, we understand how For busy sure. you are. Oh, go ahead, uh, Dr. Hall. The next it's question. Go ahead, Dr. Hall. Next, go ahead, Dr. Hall. The next question. Oh, no, no, no problem at all. Yeah. And, and on that point, uh, you know, talking about the, the role of professional athletes in communities and, 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 you know, uh, investing in in this in this wonderful and and also important sometimes it's just just the uh, athlete speaking just being there and, and giving their point of view um how important do you think that is just just the presence of athletes uh particularly in this world today uh how important is that would you say Antonio? this opportunity we have to talk about social injustices um 
you know, the inequality in, in, in a lot of different areas in our world. Um, I think guys are, that, are, that di even didn't have a voice are starting to find their voice. It's giving them true purpose and passion. Um, if you take a guy like Steven Jackson, who is, you know, out front um, and just bringing attention to this ongoing issue that's been there way before he was born and way before I was born um, and having the ability to talk about that um, from a lot of different perspectives. Um, I think that while we have this opportunity and this platform, I think it's important that we educate ourselves first as athletes um, and then use that platform for nothing but like your show is doing today, putting out a positive message about change, about equality, about love, um, about just being human beings, caring about one another. Like all those things will be important. You know, before, you know, I think it was, it was very, uh, how can I put it? It, it was risky. To, to go out in the media and talk about, you know, social issues, uh, politics, any of that. But um, I think now more than any other time, athletes feel empowered. Uh, they feel um, that it, it, it's, it's not only their responsibility, but um, it's fair for them to speak their minds at this particular point in time because it's just not about basketball or, or marketing or any of that. It's about what's going on around the world socially off the floor. And I think guys will, will start to entertain the power of their voice the more they use it. So I encourage all of them to get up and, you know, it's, it's not about bashing anybody else. It's just about, hey, there's something going on here that need our attention. What can we do to fix the problem? Like, where can we start? Who can sit down at a table and let's start making some change? And I, I think that's more important than anything. I agree. And have that dialogue to really understand yeah. what's going on, yeah. Antonio. Not just go and say, by the way, you know, I stand for this. But you don't tell why you stand for it. What's your story? Right. What's right. your thing? You're not going to attack the people right. that are negative about it, but to speak about right. it and say, how right. can we make these changes? How can we be a influencer in this change? Not just a basher. Exactly. No, you're right. That, that's more important too. Because we, when you have this opportunity as yourself, Antonio, with the platforms you have and with anybody else to, to be able to speak for everyone that can't be heard is powerful. Mm -hmm. And, and, yeah, and, sure. and I, and my recommendation is I don't want a bashing of bashing. Don't give the side that's awful, how they've treated people with social injustice forever. Give it as the story to tell about yourself so that you can lead more people to understand your story, not bashing. Yes. because I wish that right. that come, don't come out and say, I hate you all because of how you treated me. No, Right. I want to tell right. you my story of why I right. am going, going to kneel. Not I'm going right. to say you, you have no right to tell me not to kneel because at the end of the right. day or anything, I'm just giving that in sports in general and the conversations will happen. You have to explain. So that's something Antonio as a leader like yourself or other former NBA athletes have to tell the guys you have an opportunity. Don't blow it really provide that yes. yes and i am definitely now dr hall the big thing that we have antonio i'm finding out as we were talking off air is about his daughter so i know you have some questions about his daughter and the game oh exactly yeah and you know we just talked to one of the the other players who's on, playing on the team i think last week uh lauren goodwin so uh yeah so tell us about that tell us about uh how does it feel? You know, you're actually your guard is playing in the on the uh, yeah. the women uh, against the uh, the men, and and what do you think about that in general? I mean, can these women really win? And tell us about um, your interaction. <laughs> you know, I think in this time um, of all of these uh, different conversations, let's put it that way, on you know uh, women equality and. And in the workplace and other places 
um, I think it was a phenomenal idea for the five tournament to to have a game um, in men versus women. And I think more than anything, um, you know, I'm excited about my daughter uh, representing women from that perspective. Um, I feel that she's gone out and worked just as hard for what she has and for what the you know uh, the, the standard of professional women are. Um, I think they bring a lot of different uh, points, point of views, and a lot of different things to the game of basketball. Um, it's, it's unfortunate that you know this is a, a, a entertainment type situation when you talk about sports in general. Um, it, it's really if people really got into basketball and start to understand it from a perspective of the way it's supposed to be played, um, you know, they, they would have an opportunity to love women's basketball. Yeah. It, it, so many of them don't even tune in or watch a game before they judge it. Oh, women playing basketball, man, that's not even, you know, nor here nor there. It's not going to be fun. They can't dunk. They can't do this and do that. Um, but it, it doesn't take away from, you know, the way that they play and the, and the way they go about being professional athletes out there each and every night uh, you watch a game. So here we are at this tournament, you know, where, you know, they, they put together some teams and uh, now the women have an opportunity to go out against the men. And to me, it's, it's I don't even know if it matters, uh, you know, who wins and who loses. That, that may be more of a question for the men. Because if they lose, they're in trouble. <laughs> they're going to get it, you know, from everybody. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for the women, I think it's just, you know, go out there, be solid, and um, and make sure that, you know, you represent women the right way. Um, and then we can see what happens. Exactly. And then, Antonio, the, the, how proud you are of your daughter in her career and everything and getting to follow it. It's got to be such a dream for you to see this and to see this. You know, it, it, it is, man. I, I knew early on that she was going to be a, a heck of a ball player and for no other reason, but, you know, she was, she was driven to be as good as she can be. She was, um, I think, uh, a really great teammate in that she, there was just no fear. You know, it's like, hey, if you guys are scared to do it, give me the ball and get out the way. I'll do it. You know what I mean? So I knew very early on she had it in her. Um, and I love the way that she went about, you know, um, not just playing the game, but, being, you know, understanding the game, being passionate about the game and, and giving it all that she has. And so... I think she's won at every level since she was nine years old and in, being introduced to basketball, nine, eight years old, and then uh, kind of, um, you know, winning at AAU basketball. Uh, she won some state championships in high school. She won at the college level. Um, and now her quest is to come in here and win at the professional level. So we'll see you know, if she can kind of continue this streak, but I'm telling you, I, I wouldn't bet against them. So <laughs> I would tell those guys they better watch out. This is going to be interesting tonight. <laughs> exactly. So Antonio, explain exactly how this whole tournament from July 19th to 29th goes. How does that work? Explain how they did this bubble thing and all this stuff for all these athletes playing. Well, I mean, right now, they they uh they they come in we came in yesterday they get tested uh, today everybody has to wait for a negative test um then once that happens they they're i don't want to say they're confined to the hotel that's 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 not a there's not a that's not a good word right now but it's almost like a kind of Okay. Do I need some kind of? I'm sorry. Um, yeah. And then they they just are in this position where they really are just being very careful about, you know, what they're doing. They're they're advised not to just be out and around. I mean, in the hotel, everybody's kind of wearing face masks and 
and doing that whole deal. Uh, and then once I think they, they're actually in the gym, since it's only one game for the women, all they pretty much have to do is just kind of, you know, stay put one day, go to the game, and then after that they're done. So it's not quote-unquote a bubble, but oh. it's definitely a situation that's kind of monitored once they get here, they test negative. They're I got you. For like tonight, they, they can't really do nothing tonight. They plan a game tomorrow and then they're out. You know what about saying? the other games that you're doing right. the play by play for, Antonio and all that? What is that going on? Well, I'm, I'm not doing the one for the women, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm actually just doing that one game. How you doing? For the, for the men. Um, and then after that, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much done. I think I just get a bonus to watch my daughter play. So I'm definitely <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm gonna a, sit there as a spectator and just kind of watch her do her thing. And you tune into the pay-per-view by just going to your pay-per-view, pay-per-view to check out all the basketball that's available on. Yeah. 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 yeah, bo- yeah. I've seen some of those games. Uh, I've actually watched some of the, the NBA games and WNBA games. So, I'm excited that everything's back on, and I don't care if it, I have to jump on pay-per-view or <laughs> buy some subscription or whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of fiending for basketball and sports too, so I'm definitely gonna do whatever it takes. Hey, man, thanks for taking the time, Dr. Hall. Uh, what a great guest, and thank Antonio for coming on for sure, right, Dr. Hall? Yeah, no problem. Just exciting and a very inspiring guest. All right. Oh, thank you. And, thank you and Dr. Hall it. always summarizes you before. Go ahead, Dr. Hall. Summarize Antonio before we say goodbye. Ah, no problem at all. So just, you know, they're from the, the, the east side of the San Francisco Bay out of Oakland, one of the most powerful, inspiring voices um, um, out of the NBA, uh, NBA alumni who's uh, very inspiring and all-star and um, just um, – gave us uh, a message today of love and what we need to hear. So thanks for coming on the show, Antonio. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate that. Appreciate it, Antonio. Even though you beat my calves too many times. Take care. I appreciate it. All right, guys. (laughs) All right. right, See you. Okay. All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, That was the Dr. Christopher Hall show, guys. Take care. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the Total Celebrity Segment, Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program. Caregiver Dave. Dave, how are you? And introduce our awesome. guest. I'm excited to chat with him today and uh, learn new things, as that's always what we try to do here in, on the Neil Haley Show and also your segment. So go ahead, Dave. Well, our guest today is an outdoorsman, a survivor, Chad Belding, right? Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Of the foul life. Uh, Chad, take a couple of minutes, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Just who is Chad Belding, and why was he put on this earth? I think I was put on the earth to to work. I'm a worker. I grew up an athlete, went to UNLV in Vegas on a Division I baseball scholarship. It wasn't good enough to make the pros, so I... uh, My second passion was hunting in the outdoors and conservation, mainly waterfowl hunting, so started up you know with the entrepreneurial spirit that i was trying to have and and build upon we started a national tv show called the foul life and that turned into several different brands uh we have a manufacturing brand called banded we have a duck call company called jargon um we have a cooking company called the provider and we have two national podcasts and a lot of live events we work with a lot of different celebrities and musicians and athletes and 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 uh you know military and a bunch of different walks of life we always built our brands on hunting was the common denominator that brought all of these walks of life together and whether you're with somebody in duck camp or deer camp for a couple days or a week 
you're going to get to know them really good and you're going to form a lifelong bond. And so we just try to build into the culture of the American hunter and conservation and having respect for the resource and compassion for the animals that we pursue. And we've had a lot of success with our brands and it's been very humbling. Now, Chad, talking about outdoors, I was saying I'm, I am terrible surviving in the outdoors. What do you say to somebody who just feel, you know, I'm a big guy, six foot 10. So I'm a former athlete, former professional wrestler, just kind of full disclosure. Why is it that some people just don't get the outdoors and don't understand it and need someone like you, Chad, to teach them? I think that you hit it right on the head, Neil, is that, you know, in our life, mentorship is everything. And a guy like me could easily take that for granted, you know, hearing you say that you're not an outdoorsman, you don't have any history in it or any experience. And it's all about mentorship. There's a lot of people that are that grow up in the city city limits inner city that you know don't live out in the country they don't travel to the country they get all their food at a store they might be a vegetarian they might be uh you know a vegan they might eat meat but they don't really understand where their cows come from their beef or their chicken or their pork chops so um i think a lot of it has to do with mentorship and i think it's very intimidating because you do have to you know survive and be isolated and learn how to cut wood or learn how to build a fire or learn how to cook a deer steak learn how to fish and you know bait a hook or, or fly rod or whatever there's a lot of things that go into it and not having a mentor an aunt or an uncle or a dad or a grandpa that 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 brought his grandson or his nephew or his son or daughter up in the woods or the outdoors or on the water um it's it's tough to get into it when you're in your your 30s or 40s or 50s you know it's it's one of those things where if you don't start young your chances of getting into it i think diminish a little bit so i think you hit it right on the head it's it's all about mentorship and that's why we try to send that message out there that we want to always introduce somebody new to the outdoors every season whether it's a kid a girl or a boy or an adult or whatever there's a lot of good women in the outdoor kids in the outdoors a lot of cool mentorship programs that people can find out there through organizations like california waterfowl or ducks unlimited or or safari club international and you can you can get involved if you want to so having a mentor means the world in the outdoors okay you know chad i i congratulate you for your fourth season i know the philosophy of the show is to hunt hard stay safe respect the animals share hunting styles and and the goal of the show is to include heart pounding action with in-depth instruction i mean that is so cool and that is so needed today especially with our youth you know um, I, I can imagine that you're, uh, you have a lot of enemies and you're going to attacked by a lot of different groups who, you know, maybe don't like, uh, the fact that you're even out there, uh, hurting animals or killing animals or eating animals or whatever. Tell us about the, uh, the other side. I mean, what, what kind of attacks are you under? I think there's a lot of, you know, there's haters out there, there's antis and, I don't get on a soapbox and I don't try to put hunting in anybody's face and say, if you don't hunt, then you're whatever, you know, I try to say, here's who we are. Here's why we do it. Here's what we do for the animals and the populations. Hunters and fishermen are absolutely 100% the ultimate conservationist the amount of work and sweat equity and elbow grease and financial support that we put into habitat or conservation or breeding programs or land management and working with farmers and crops and um, if it wasn't for hunters you wouldn't see the amount of deer or wild turkeys or ducks that you see in america or canada or any other country so i stand up with pride and say that we are true conservationists and that if you're going to hate us or you're going to be anti at least be educated of why you don't like hunting or why you don't want to be nice to a hunter or right. at least socialize and associate yourself with one. When you go to vote and you're about to put that ballot in, at least don't do it out of ignorance, be educated on it and understand who I am and why, you know, there's, there's 10 to 15% of America's population that does hunt a lot more of that, a lot more than that fish. Just get to know why we do it and then make the decision, but don't just say you're an idiot because you shoot a deer. Understand that if it wasn't for hunters, you wouldn't see the deer that you do out there. And, and that's really the truth. That's a great point. Wow. And that's a great uh, testimony because again, people have different ideas of life and they like to do certain things. And we should, uh, being an American, we should have the right to do whatever we want as long as we're not hurting anyone. And just because somebody might not agree with our, our point of view, we should not be attacked. Now, Chad, kind of tell us a little bit about where we can watch the show on the outdoor network. 
Yeah, we have a long-standing history with the Outdoor Channel, the Cronky Group, and the Outdoor Sportsman's Group. They own the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman's Channel, the World Fishing Network. We, uh, we're we airing Season 12 of The Foul Life right now. We're getting ready to start filming Season 13. We have several strong partners in Benelli and Realtree and Federal Premium Ammunition, Traeger Grills. And we've signed some really prolific, awesome deals lately with Bad Boy Mowers and Jack Daniels and Anheuser-Busch, <laughs> Dickie's Workwear. So we got a lot of cool vibe going on with a lot of non-demic uh, companies out there and people can find us on social media at the foul life tv or at the provider life and um we're all over uh you know the net we have the, our two podcasts this life ain't for everybody and the foul life are available on all of the podcast platforms and um so we get we get to we get to hang with a lot of cool people and meet a lot of different walks of life and in our show you're going to see that it's not about the pull of that trigger we associate compassion and conservation we cook the meals we show how to prepare a bounty of wild duck wild goose elk whatever we show music camaraderie we bring veterans we just did a huge episode with st jude's in memphis tennessee and the ronald mcdonald house charities and we got to take a young man grant from louisiana 12 years old five years disease free his mom his dad and his sister Alyssa came on a duck hunt with me to oklahoma and it was amazing to see this kid that got diagnosed 33 rounds of chemo nine rounds of radiation lost all of his motor skills and we got to get in a duck blind with him and sing and talk and eat donuts and and see mother nature at her finest and god's creation and he he loved it his dad cried his mom cried it was just very therapeutic so hunting is therapy in a lot of different ways and um, when they watch our show they're going to see that it's not about pulling the trigger and seeing an animal die it's about all of the things that are engulfed in being a hunter and an outdoorsman and a conservationist all right, let's go right now to a caregiver's question, Dave. Go ahead and hit that caregiver, Dave, that caregiver question, please. Well, I'm a caregiver. My wife and I have been married 46, 47 years. And about halfway through, she had this headache, had a stroke, lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And in that moment, you know, I realized, wow, I'm a caregiver, didn't even know what it was. And I realized there are other caregivers out there. So I've been traveling the, the world, just speaking on TV and stages and uh, I've got. I'm on my fourth book now. Um, I I believe that any everybody is going to become a caregiver or need a caregiver at one point. There's no escaping it. So my question to you, Chad, is how has caregiving touched your life? Well, I think it's amazing. I I think that I'm humbled by what hunting's allowed me to do, and we we we've had several articles written about us, and and, and there's a lot of a lot of emphasis put on the care that we give and how caring for people and helping people and not thinking about yourself um, I think it's the way to live I think that you're you know you, you don't want to chase the mighty dollar you want to be that person that puts other people first and I think through um, you know working hard and, and not giving up we've uh, we've been allotted opportunities to get to give care and to to, to help out we're, we're helping first responders right now by feeding and donating wild game we've we've done so many homeless shelter visits where we bring elk meat and duck meat and, and make meals for the homeless and all in cities like san diego and atlanta and places that aren't really known for hunting um we're there to give and i think that the heart of the hunter and the compassion that's what we were put on earth to do is work hard and provide for our families and be a caregiver and make sure that we put, you know, we put other people first all the time and, and not try to, you know, live the high life or be in the spotlight all the time. So that's kind of how we wrapped our brands into everything. And that's the culture that we live and believe in. And we're always going to put others first and try to make everybody happy around us. And everybody can live a fulfilled life because of the outdoors and, and the, in the humility that it's provided to us. That, that, and your parents are doing okay. They're not very elderly. My parents? Yeah. Uh, my mom's 65. She's awesome. She's a nurse practitioner. My dad passed away at 54 of a massive heart attack in hunting camp, and it changed my life. That was on August 9th, 2006, and um, I was headed to Seattle to do a hunting seminar for Ducks Unlimited, and I said bye to him when he was in the garden, and he was leaving on a hunt, and I got the call 24 hours later that my dad was gone. He was only 54. And um, just unexpected, it, it rocked our world. So that's really shown, you know, empathy for my mom and being a widow and trying to include her in everything that we do in life and the outdoors. And 
so we're, we're a tight-knit family and the outdoors and hunting has brought us even closer together because we get to be in camp a bunch i have two brothers clinton clay we travel the country together and, and mom comes along and we have barbecues and cookouts all the time so yeah my parents were the, the reason that we got to put in the place to do what we're doing now all right well, wow she's very lucky to have kids like you good good for you Chad, go to caregiverdave.com to find out more information about caregiving and and Dave Nassani. And where can we find info on you about the channel, about your show, about uh, all your different ventures, especially with the celebrities? Definitely going to have you back for a TV interview as well, because I want to kind of delve into things. But thank you for uh, allowing us a little bit of an introduction about who you are. Well, I truly appreciate the time. You can check us out at thefowllife, F-O-W-L-life.com. And you can find us, like I said, on Instagram, Facebook, at the Foul Life TV. And that'll lead you into all of our other websites, video links that you can watch recipes and action shots. We have a lot of things going on in the sporting dog world and, and just a lot of cool vibe and energy. And I truly appreciate the time and you guys let me come on the show. Hey, Chad, we'll we definitely we'll too. have you Thanks. back. And I love the story and especially with the celebs. So we'll definitely reach back out. So take care. Appreciate it. You guys too. Thank you guys. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley Show and Total Media Network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K-12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensec's enterprise-level video management software, Perspective VMS, is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here on the Freedom from Addiction segment. And our topic today is I'm about to introduce our guest again. He really is exploring and finding unbelievable news regarding COVID-19. And the question I'm going to ask is something that's kind of just stopped, left the media altogether. The conversations aren't out there anymore. You don't even hear people on Fox News talk about this drug. Does hydroxychloroquine work in treatment of COVID-19? And my guest today is going to discuss it from his findings and interviews. Uh, Reverend Wynn Henderson, Wynn, how are you? And yes, today on the Neil Haley Show and also on the Freedom From Addiction podcast, we're going to discuss this, right, Wynn? Absolutely, yeah. So... It was it's surprising, isn't it, to hear what you've been able to find out through your research? Well, you know, I talk to people all over the country, and I find them, and they find me, and so I try to bring this news. But there's a lot of pushback, as you know, in all different aspects. You know, people, for whatever reason, whether it's money or politics or something else, they don't want the public to know that there is a good, safe, cheap way of treating COVID, and it can be done in your doctor's office. If you treat it early, patients don't go to the hospital. They don't go to the ICU. They don't get put on respirators, and they don't die. And some of my people have told me that they have prescriptions that they write for their COVID patients, it costs less than $50. So my question is, if you had COVID and you know that a thousand people a day are dying in this country that wind up getting sicker and go to the hospital, 
would you not pay $50 for some medicine that's safe and proven instead um, of? Yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I mean, it makes no sense. Uh, wouldn't you not, you don't want to go through this process where you get tested for COVID-19, start having symptoms and then just sit there and wait till you get hospitalized. That makes no sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense to me, uh, especially since we've got proven cases of it working in various aspects of the country where the pushback is not so hard that the doctors can't do it and that they can't write prescriptions for the medications. When, when they get around that and they actually do it in their medical practices and everything, I've got uh, two doctors I can think of uh, right off the top of my head that have treated uh, over a thousand COVID cases. And one person going to the hospital, and that might be because the person got anxious over the fact that he had the disease. And so it's practically 100%. You get treated early, you don't go to the emergency room, hospital, ICU, and you don't die. Exactly. Uh, and it, it's, it makes complete uh, sense to do it and the process of so what were you able to find? And, and I want to also talk about the story that's happened to you on Friday uh, with your interview, because that's unbelievable how, you know, certain people are hiding these findings. But what did you find out from some of the different studies that, that what, what the percent recovery rate is with hydroxychloroquine? Well, um, I researched uh, Dr. Harvey Risch, spelling that R-I-S-C-H, who is an epidemiology professor at Yale, said that he thinks hydroxychloroquine could save up to 100,000 lives if the drug is widely used to treat coronavirus. And I had another expert that said that if the mandate was there that all patients that had coronavirus positive tests and symptoms would take it early, that we could knock out the disease in two weeks. So uh, Dr. Rich said, there are many doctors that I've gotten hostile remarks about saying that all the evidence is bad. And as a matter of fact, that's not true at all. And he believes that the drug could also be used prophylactically for frontline workers and other countries like India have done. And I'm wondering if our president isn't taking hydroxychloroquine prophylactically because he made some remarks that he was taking the drug. But, you know, it would be great if perhaps everybody in a nursing home would take it for six months so that, um, that they didn't have hot spots in and deaths in um, those type of facilities. But Rich said that we've got a propaganda war going on here and it's waged against the use of the drug for political purposes, not based on the medical facts. And he referred uh, me and others to researchers at Henry Ford Health System in Michigan that have found that early administration of hydroxychloroquine makes hospitalized patients substantially less likely to die. And um, he gave the, the percentages and everything. But to get the percentages, you got to treat early uh, before the hydroxychloroquine can have a benefit. It needs to begin before the patient suffers some of the severe immune reactions that plague these patients that have COVID and before their PO2, their level of oxygen in their blood starts to go down. Because when that happens, you're going down the, the tubes uh, more likely than not. Wow. So that what you're talking to these different doctors and also there's another interesting study of a doctor that's been on the major news about this, right? 
Yeah, th this was the only one that I could find in the major news. I believe this uh, doctor, his story was uh, put on uh, uh, Fox News. Okay. But I did on any of the other news carriers. What about some of the stuff you've done studies on the show if people have been following your podcast? The same thing that Dr. Risha said is the others have had, have, have had the same results. Yeah, well, well that's, that's why I do that as much time as I can um, put to it, having to track people down all, all over the country to tell me the same thing. But um, there's a lot of pushback. Um, one of the things is uh, when you look at um, the money, follow the money, the hospitals, and I have some personal experience with this, don't want people to be told that hydroxychloroquine will keep the people out of the hospital because they make a lot of money when a COVID patient comes into their hospital. And um, there's pushback from the medical boards. Some, some allow uh, this treatment and some absolutely don't. And people have having to drive 500 miles to get treatment because in their particular state, is pushing back hard, whereas another one allows it. And the pharmacy boards are doing the same thing with the pharmacists, giving them problems with filling their prescriptions. Some of the doctors are having to go to non-chain stores to find uh, private uh, pharmacies that will fill their prescriptions. And um, so, you would ask, why is there this pushback? Is it some kind of conspiracy going on here? And I'm not going to talk to that, but I think that you'll find out more as the elections get closer and after the elections. But I don't, I don't see uh, how we can tolerate a thousand deaths of Americans a week, a day, you know, um, and, and not try this proven drug. 60 years of proven safety, and it's very inexpensive. Yeah, that definitely seems, makes no sense at all why not to use it. But then you saw firsthand, after all your findings, you got interviewed on a local radio station, and this was the thing that you said, Eureka, we really have a problem. Yeah, the hospital called the, the station and told them that in the future, don't put on any medical stories that we haven't approved. <laughs> it's crazy. And the reason, you know, the reason why they did that. They, uh, I, I suspect the reason why they did that was that there is a lot of money to be made if you can get a patient in the hospital and give them all kinds of therapies and everything that, uh, that they don't want to lose that revenue. No, they don't want to lose it. It's too much. Uh, they can't afford that, especially if COVID patients don't get tested or people take it and not get, uh, get COVID-19 by taking it as a way of uh, not contracting the virus. That's lots of money lost in the healthcare system. That's right, and our dollar spent in healthcare is one of the highest uh, classifications of how we spend our money. Wow. What else do you have to add with this topic? Anything else to add that you, uh, again, want to bring your listeners and viewers to this topic? Well, somebody called me yesterday from North Carolina and said that she had a son that had uh, fairly severe immunosuppressed um, problems and he had turned positive on COVID and she wanted to know what to do about it. Well, I didn't know how much pushback there would be in her particular area if she could find any doctors that would treat him. I told her if she would go to my podcast, at least I've got two doctors that treat COVID patients with this protocol. 
and uh, she could listen to their podcasts and make a decision on whether or not it was worth her time, especially if he got sicker, to drive to their location, which was out of state, but that she could just start calling family practice, general practice type doctors and say, are you familiar with hydroxychloroquine treatment for COVID and do you do that or would you do that? Um, so th that was a couple of suggestions that I gave her, but my podcast where you can find all the information that I have gotten so far and what I might get in the future would be www.freedomfromaddiction.libsyn, spell that L-I-B-S-Y-N, B as in boy, dot com. Now, uh, this, this program, you know, over the years, it's one of the longest running programs in the country, has talked about addiction, but more recently, I've been talking about COVID, so that's where you go to get it. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh... With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.